Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Truthzilla. I am Megan, sitting here with Scott and Ed. We have a very special guest tonight. Dean Reiner is a fellow Oregonian out of Portland, Oregon, of the Up Is Down podcast. How are you, Dean? I'm well. I'm well. I'm a little tired and a little sunburned, but I'm well. Yeah, sunburn's good. We're getting out into the into the summer sun a little bit in Oregon. We need it. But yeah, <laughs> I've been getting a lot of it. I've been getting out as much as I possibly can. Totally. Yeah, us too. Us too, yeah. for sure. So what's going on in Portland, Dean? Tell us what's happening up there. I feel like the whole world is watching and wanting to know what the inside scoop is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, there's quite a bit going on here, man. There's a lot of fear mongering and a lot of propaganda, but there's also some really concerning stuff that should be known. Um, I think that there's, you know, when we were driving back, we were passing through on the freeway and there's like just these small little tent cities that are really growing, growing and growing and growing. And it makes me think about um, the homeless situation here and everywhere else. And I don't claim to know what the score is necessarily, but I do know that a lot of the people, yes, they're suffering from various levels of addiction and trauma and mental health. And that's one thing. But I think another thing that's really underrated and understated and people don't really want to address it is that there's a large proportion of people that are experiencing homelessness in Portland which is the only place that I can really report on, who simply don't want to be in the system. They have rejected the system that has rejected them at some point or another, sometimes voluntarily, I think mostly involuntarily. But I think you can, what's interesting about here and maybe in Eugene and other parts of the country is the massive effort to build housing, just building more and more housing and, and stable environments for people that are experiencing homelessness. And they're, they're never full. They're never filled if they're even completed in the building process. But still, that money gets allocated towards these goals and the population of people living in tents and pushing carts. The tragedy that that is just keeps growing and growing and growing. And I think it's because most people just simply don't want to be in the system. And I envy that. Yeah. No shit. No shit. I envy that. Hell yeah. 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 We talk about that quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, dropping off, not being in the system, falling away for sure. It's, I mean... Disconnecting is, uh, it definitely has a huge charm at this point. Yeah, especially, I mean, where's, I mean, the one benefit I've said going on with all this shit going on is we're getting outside and we're getting out out of the fucking town as much as possible. Uh-huh. We're getting away from it because we need it. Because if, st- if you stay in this shit, it makes you crazy. I think that's by design. I think that's by design, dude. I mean, what's interesting sure. is like you leave your house, even if you don't leave your house, everywhere you go, we're being continually beaten with information. Yes. Like, it doesn't even matter if it's information or disinformation or misinformation. It doesn't even matter. It's this constant, continuous assault of facts and knowledge and input that we don't, no one has any time to take a breath. And as soon as they do, there's like, bam, they get hit again, bam, bam, and again and again. And then we're just in this constant state, it seems, of uh, of a slow trauma that is just, yeah. it's so extensive and depressing. And so I can't, I mean, you literally can't leave your house without looking at having to make a choice of some sort of dichotomy or some sort of dialectic that you're either going to be this or that you're either going to wear a mask or you're not, or you're going to, um, yep. you know, you're going to go into the store or you're not going to go into the store, going in and out of the store is almost uh, beside the point, but what store are you going to visit? Is it a store like you have a black lives matter sign in your yard or you don't. And if you don't, then you know what that means. If you do, then you know what that means. 
But do you yeah. really know what that means? It's just these constant assaults of, of, having, of being forced into a particular dialectic, which I reject wholeheartedly. I can't sure. stand it. And so I vacate. I get the fuck out. Yeah. And uh, and I just got back like an hour and a half ago, so I have no notes. I have some things up um, on my second screen. We can do a split screen maybe. Um, but yeah, it's just it's incredibly it's incredibly taxing, and uh, and that's just where it is here. And it's just I mean the homeless thing is just one thing, and that's been growing for years, as you know. But now um, more and more businesses outside of the downtown area in the neighborhood that I live in, it's probably about two miles from downtown. It's still a little bit Metro. They call it close in and there's more and more buildings are getting windows broken. So there's just plywood over all these beautiful storefronts everywhere. And a lot of it is preemptive. Like they're preemptively protecting themselves from future assumed vandalism. And when you ask the people in the shops, like did something happen? And they're like, Oh yeah, there's lots of, there's lots of, you know, looting and, and vandalism going on, you know, there's just, there's lots, it doesn't seem, but there's no, like, yeah, there's course. no visceral reaction from these people. They're just like, yeah, we're just dealing with it. You know? Uh, yeah. Whoa. Just going along. Just yeah. going. Yeah. yeah. They're just like, hey, you know, it's just what it is. You know, and of course these are like, they're, they're cafes and their cafes and their dispensaries and their, um, it's funny because the weed, the weed dispensaries are getting hit hard because they can be robbed obviously, but there's something, there's a couple of companies here in the neighborhood that are, uh, you know, their whole marketing scheme is very socialist, you know, it's the people's cannabis, you know, it's like the, the front, you know, and, and so there's this kind of, I don't want, you know, soft Marxist marketing, socialist kind of marketing thing. And they're for the people, but they're also getting, you know, robbed and vandalized, but the <laughs> bank right across the street, that is out of commission because there's lots of branches of banks in this city that are just shutting down, which is really creepy. Um, oh. Their windows aren't getting smashed, but the small businesses are, which is really interesting. Oh, so wow. that's happening a lot. Yeah. Dude, that is insane. Uh, what about the, uh, has the intensity kind of uh, the fever pitch of like the riots and the demonstrations in the streets, has that subsided a little bit? I feel like there's been like a downtick in the amount of like, in coverage or what we see, but then again, you see someone getting beaten half to death in the streets, and that goes viral. You know, is, is, is it is it still as intense as it was? Is, has it gone up and down? Um, and and you know, what's your perspective on all that? In my perspective, and I'm not, I don't participate. I don't go down and watch. I think it's it's disgusting and disheartening. Um, it's just as intense as it ever was. From what I'm following on the Twitter which I know is fed to me through algorithms of the things that I watch and through completion. So they're showing me everything, but they're showing me everything that's actually happening, whether or not I want to see that, but the fact that it's actually happening and it's being fed to my particular Twitter feed through an algorithm, again, it's beside the point. What's really happening is that the intensity has not died down at all. There was a large focus for nearly two, over, I think over two months, on the downtown area, the courthouse in particular, and the justice center, and now with the whole federal agents there and all that kind of stuff, not federal agents, but federal police officers who were then told to stand down after they voluntarily left. <laughs> they left voluntarily, then they were told to evacuate, which is pretty funny. And then the state police came in, the Oregon State Police were there to back up the local police force, because the local police force have been kneecapped on this whole thing for two months through yeah. the mayor who's also the police commissioner. And yes. his, his contemporary, Joanne Hardesty, is 100% pro-Antifa, um, Black Lives Matter. And I don't want to 
again, I'm not trying to disparage the essence and the idea of the Black Lives Matter movement. Yes. It's yep. it's an incredibly important thing that needs to be addressed. But when I listen to people in my neighborhood and in my circle who don't think the way that I think, and I ask them or they we get into a conversation and they say, well, you know, it's, it's, those are the bad ones. There's the good ones that are doing, you know, real protests, but the bad ones are fucking things up. And I was like, well, what what distinguishes the bad ones from the good ones? And who are you to say that those are the bad ones and these are the good ones? What's the distinguishing characteristics? Can you point them out to me? Because I can't tell. And there's no I don't get any answer for that. So anyway. So the yeah. state police basically left because what's become really apparent is that the Oregon district attorney here in Portland, who is apparently, according to some Twitter news reports of actual independent journalists like Andy No and um, this dude, uh, Hernandez, um, the Oregon district attorney goes way back with one of the supposed self-appointed Antifa leaders. They're old buddies from their old, they're tight bros from way back, you know. So what's happening is the Oregon district attorney is dismissing almost every single one of these arrests. And there's been hundreds and hundreds of arrests of these rioters and protesters who are lighting shit on fire and fucking shit up and hurting people, literally hurting people badly, blinding officers, destroying personal and private property. And they're all being they're all being dismissed, all these cases. And it's really interesting because these people are getting arrested and released within the same night sometimes. And then you see them back in jail. And I only know this because Andy knows a in my opinion, is a really great journalist. He's a really good independent journalist. He had an altercation with Antifa two years, three years ago in Portland where he got milkshaped and beaten pretty bad, had a brain bleed. So he has a personal vendetta. So his coverage is definitely angled. You know, he has an agenda in his reporting, which I can look past because I see what's going on there and it's pretty fucking violent and it needs to be addressed for what it is. But he actually posts the mugshots of these of these perpetrators and these arrests. Every time there's a group of them, he posts their mugshots and their information of their booking, their crime, their charge, and their release date. And it's generally always within within the same 24 hour period. So these people are, it's just a catch and release. And, the, and then they get arrested again a week later. And then they get arrested again a week later. And it's the same people over and over again and more and more and more. So the intensity downtown has diminished, but, um, because the state police, once they figured out that the Oregon district attorney was just dismissing all of these cases and no one's going to face federal charges for destruction of property or vandalism, the state police were like, bye, we're going to go actually help, you know, victims of real crimes where we can actually get prosecutions because you're not going to prosecute these people. So they left. So now it's just the Portland police again on their own. And they are completely undermined at every turn. They're getting no coverage in the media. What local media here is, it, they, there's a real, real angle to discredit everything about the Portland police. And because they've been defunded, some of the uh, gun violence task force um, uh, programs at the Portland police, and just for clarity's sake, I'm no fan of the cops. I'm not, I'm not a pro-cop guy. I've had some trouble with cops in my life. I also don't commit crimes as far as I can. I mean, I trespassed to go camping in the last 24 hours, but that's basically it. Yeah, I'm not a pro cop guy. I've had some altercations with the police in the past, but nothing since I've been living in Portland for the past 13, 14 years. I think the Portland cops are actually pretty tolerant and pretty cool. 
One thing about it is that the gun violence task force groups that have been the programs that have been in place for a long time have been eliminated through the defunding act. And since then, there's been a massive increase in violent crimes, like multiple shootings on a nightly basis, fucking stab parties where multiple multiple people are getting stabbed by multiple people. And just think about that. What? What is this? I mean, that's a stab party. So there's multiple people going to a place with other people and everyone gets stabbed. That's just crazy to me. That's crazy yeah, to me. And there's tons of there's uh, there's all kinds of shootings and shit taking place because all the police now are are completely occupied with all of their forces and manpower stopping um, simultaneously enacted organized protests that end up being fairly violent and very, very uh, flaming. Honestly, shit gets, lit, shit gets lit on fire all the time. They're breaking into the police bureau. They're breaking, breaking into the local precincts around here. There's one a mile from my house that's been torched. Um, and so all the cops are kind of going to either North Portland or East Portland to battle these hundreds of protesters that are trying to slash tires and burn shit down. Meanwhile, at the same time, there's massive shootings taking place, like people's just spraying guns at other people, damaging cars and shooting people. So the the manpower of the police has been completely diminished. The ability to control the actual crime, if you get robbed or if you get into a violent altercation with somebody, you need to call the police, you get put on hold and they might show up like an hour later. And meanwhile, you could bleed out. I mean, things things are pretty bad as far as getting attention from the police because they're completely sucked up by these protests. And I think that's by design, you know, yeah, totally sure. by so, design. So what, what, uh, have you heard is the next step? So like, let's say we do completely defund the police or eradicate police in general. Like what is the next step there? We're looking at the solution. From, I mean, from, sure. our, from our research, if you look at back at like operation cable splice or things like that, then that's when you have full military lockdown. That's when you have like the UN coming in. I mean, what, I don't know. I don't understand what the next, what, what the goal of this is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the UN coming in is probably maybe part of the long-term agenda as well, because that would be this is this whole thing is a massive globalization push. Yes. Uh, the protests, it's a it's a it's a demonetization of individuality and free speech. 100%. That is the thing, and so, but it's masked in this fake race war, which is <laughs> yeah. actually a class war. Because this is all about destroying poor people and poor people's freedom to move around, speak, organize, and be actually sovereign individuals. It turns out that the poorest people are white and black and brown. Yeah. Yep. It's yep. all about poor people. It's a class war. So I think I don't I don't think that by the looks of what I'm seeing on these live stream videos of the action and violence taking place, that any of these any of these fake rioter LARPers, they don't want to actually fight with the police. They just want to antagonize them and get the police to react so yeah. they can say, oh, ow, ow, my rights, my rights. Yep. You know, they want to destroy, they want, there's signs in my neighborhood of people that have, you know, in their windows, abolish the police, abolish prisons. And I think to myself, abolishing prisons and abolishing police would render police useless. And because there would be no police and no prisons, there wouldn't be any need for a court system because laws would be irrelevant. That's what I was talking about the other night, yeah, and exactly. And if laws are irrelevant, then that means the reason for laws 
don't matter anymore. And the reasons to have laws are to protect people's civil and and personal human rights. Yes. So to abolish the police and to abolish prisons essentially means to abolish your human and civil rights, which is exactly what Black Lives Matter is supposed to be about, is protecting the sanctity of human and civil rights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's such a good point. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. In yeah. fact, I think it was yeah. from you. I heard it. It's like if you get rid of the police, you're not going to get anybody arrested. If no one's getting arrested, you're not going to have anybody going to court. If you have nobody going to court, you don't need the court system anymore, um, which it's is not, yeah, one and of it's, the balances that are in place to preserve our rights. It's, and it's not because they don't want rights or laws. They want to replace rights and laws. This whole thing, the whole Marxist socialist thing is not about anarchy. It's about a replacement with their rights and their laws. They want to be the cops. And they've been practicing this with social justice warrior tactics, the call out, the call in, where they, you know, say you have a, <clears throat> you have a, I mean, this happened in Portland about four years ago. A lot of this shit only really started about five, six years ago, but really in Portland about four years ago where there was a whole slew of uh, restaurants in Portland that were getting called out for uh, cultural appropriation because it's a white guy who owns a, a chain of Thai restaurants. And so then you have shithead employees and bored, overprivileged, over-socialized and under-informed children who, who don't have a strong family, they don't have a strong father, they have no authority, they've never been told no, they've been given everything they wanted, and they want what they want now is they want reputation. They want clicks, they yeah. want downloads, they want repeats and likes and retweets. And so whatever they can do to get themselves front and center and call someone out and say, well, I think that you're a shithead. So there's a lot of restaurants that were going down about five years ago because there's a white guy making Mexican food or there's an Asian guy making... Um, African food or there's a there's a you know, there's a Mexican guy making Thai food. It was going crazy. And so a lot of these restaurants faced a lot of this social justice warrior kind of stuff to call out, call in. And so the thing is with the call out, call in, as far as I can tell, what happens is you get called out for culturally appropriating something that you shouldn't have. Like uh, you're a you're you're a middle aged white woman uh, who's making who has a class making like dream catchers. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, something ridiculous like that, something sure. that people like to do for whatever reason. But then you get some asshole who's like maybe native, maybe partially native, who says you don't have a right to do that. And then social media pounces on them. And then all of a sudden they show up to that store or that restaurant and they start protesting and then they start doing tweets and Facebook posts to to boycott this place or that place because they're culturally appropriating stuff. And then that business suffers massively. And then all of a sudden, these people are extortionists. They're extorting this place because what they really want, they don't want you to stop having the class or making the food. They want you to pay them money that they can then donate to their charity of choice. And then if you refuse to do that, they'll cut that cost in half. This just happened to a really famous, not famous, but quasi-famous Portland restaurateur who has a whole chain of restaurants and it's semi-Americana, but most of it is like Israeli, it's Latin food and he's a white guy. And, uh, and he got his shit vandalized a couple months ago. He reacted poorly. He did a stupid thing. He was talking about vigilante justice. And then the person that people suspect was the vandal actually extorted him and said, Hey, um, I'll stop fucking with you. I don't know who did that, but you know, maybe I could find out who that is if you pay me $5,000 or donate $5,000 to this particular charity. But if you can't do that, I'll take $2,500. 
And that person never got arrested. But this restaurateur had a fucking he had a mental breakdown. You know, he lost. He didn't lose his business, but he had to sign over his actual, you know, his his rights to the business over to his wife. And it's it's fucking tragic. So this this has been this stuff has been happening for years, slowly with some success. And then all of a sudden, because it's a fucking election year. And because yeah. all the coronavirus stuff is falling apart, everyone's starting to actually think about things a little bit. So they got to turn up that machine. And now they're just breaking the dial off the machine. It's no longer, they just they used to go to 10 and then they put it to 11. And now they just break the dial off and like put it on a, on an extra battery. So it's just going to start overheating anymore. But I think this, it's, it's really tragic to see how this stuff gets ramped up. And then, and then, you know, for months, it's all about the post office and every single year it's about the post office every single year. And I know this cause I deliver mail for a living, yeah. you know, and I've been hearing and watching these, these emails and stuff from MoveOn.org about how everyone's supposed to save the post office, save the post office. And it's the really slick game that the crazy orange man bad has actually played on the post office to kind of corner them into a, a trap right now. But the only way to get out of it for them, it seems, is to just dig their heels in even deeper and to kind of create this hysteria, which is not based in fact at all. I mean, it's like the hysterical narrative of the post office right now on the mainstream media and even in the local media is 99 percent bullshit and 1 percent true. Sure. But they don't care because they're, they're scaring the shit out of people. What's that, dude? You just did a whole episode on it, and I would just recommend anyone go listen to it. I was laughing my ass off. You did fucking great. Uh, oh, oh yeah. Hey, thank, yeah, I think it was episode like 54 or whatever. Yeah, um, no, it was great. It was great. And you know, you, fired so they're, they're running like an experiment right now to, to, to they're kind of fucking with the whole routes and everything and kind of slowing all the mail down. Yeah, yeah. 200 offices in the country started doing this experiment about three, four weeks ago. It's set to run out in a couple weeks. It's mostly about making things look better on paper fiscally, um, shifting different um, time codes from one thing to another on paper. So it looks like we're spending less time in the office and, and doing all of our business on the street. And that's true. But the same amount, it doesn't diminish the, the work. It doesn't diminish the time it takes to do the work. It's just shifting things around. It's six dozen. It's, you know, it's six and one and a half dozen in the other, as, as they say in the government. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a joke. It's a joke. But it's not happening to every post office. It's only happening to 200 and only three in my city. You know, and the thing about the mailboxes and stuff is those mailboxes get moved and, and removed every year, all year long. Oh, okay. It has so not. Like, yeah, it has. Know that the images from Portland, you know, came out and everyone just lost their freaking mind. Yeah. Like, uh, Trump is trying to, you know, taking the post, the whole country. taking the mailboxes away. Look at them all. Look how many on the truck today alone. Yeah. yeah. I admit, when I first saw that, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" So. Well, so, they did a great job of tying this one line yeah. to this fucking picture. And then fucking that's the whole story. But we're here to tell you, as you did in your episode, it's all fucking bullshit. Is what it's it comes all bullshit. I mean, it's, it, and all it takes is just someone to actually pay attention and see in that particular news broadcast is a picture of a truck. It's the same picture being shown all over the place. Yep. One picture. No one knows when that picture was taken. Yeah, <laughs> For one thing, there's over it looks like maybe a dozen mailboxes on that truck. And in the same report, within a moment of that picture being on there talking about it, the lady actually says that three or four have been removed from Portland. Yet there's a picture of a dozen on the truck. Where? Where? When? No, no, they're not going to talk about where or when. 
that picture was taken. It's just boom. And then they use all the keywords, you know, freak out, going viral, and all these little trigger words that little old ladies on my route are like, oh my God, I'm so scared, you know, and that really it freaks them out. And then they start talking about it and then it goes viral and it's it's, it's, a, it's, Swiss, so it's a Swiss fucking watch, man. And a lot of people think like, oh, the, you know, the I'm just going to rant here for a minute. They oh. talk about the prison, the prison system. I talk about the education system. They talk about all these little systems that are broken. I disagree. I think that these systems are working like a Swiss fucking watch, man. It's perfectly on time. This is exactly the predicted and controlled outcome that is desired in public education and the prison, you know, the school to prison pipeline and the undermining of the lower class people, which is everybody, which is fucking everybody who's not a multimillionaire. Think about that. A hundred dollars doesn't mean shit anymore. Remember when you were a kid and a hundred dollars was a hundred dollars? Totally. Remember when a million dollars was a million dollars? You can't do anything with a million dollars anymore. You can't. And so, I mean, the 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 poor people are fucking everybody, and no one believes that they're actually poor because they have a place to live and they have a car. And like, we still have this this equity between having material stuff and actually considering ourselves wealthy. I mean, there's not anyone I know. I mean, I think last I checked, the middle class was something that was like a six-figure annual income. And I don't know anyone who makes that kind of money to, in, to be middle class. So what does that make me and you and everyone else we know? Fucking yeah. poor. Yeah. Fucking yeah. poor. That's why we can't fight our way out of prisons. That's why we can't – that's why we That's why we plea out. People get arrested, especially poor people. And the poorest of poor people, by design, are people who are, who are black, brown, uh, yellow, fucking green, pink, even and and white people as well. Plenty of fucking white people that are fucking broke ass poor. That's why when you get arrested for some stupid charge and you get lying asshole cops that are paid and allowed to lie to you in an interrogation room and fuck with your head and scare the shit out of you and say, look, if you just sign here and you just plea out, you can walk home. And so then you plea and you basically agree to a charge that shouldn't have ever been there and you can't afford to defend because you don't need a lawyer anymore because you just pled. So then, boom, now you have a felony. Now you can't ever vote. Now you can't ever get a good job. Now you can't ever buy a house. And you're destined to repeat this cul-de-sac lifestyle of just going around and around in a circle of maybe not even criminality, but desperation. And desperation, it gets you get pretty creative after a while, especially if you can't get a fucking job and you can't vote and you can't buy a house, you can't buy a boat, you can't get a car because you have no credit because you're a fucking felon. And all you can do is fucking sell drugs or sell guns or sell fucking sex or sell kids. You know, it, it, it's a Swiss watch. This is the machine and it's working perfectly. There's nothing broken with this machine. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Wow. Sure. Very well said. Very well said, man. <laughs> I just, uh, just a side thing. I just with the, with the mail thing. I just, just today, I was on the phone with a customer who I, we had to mail something out to her, and she's like, "It's never gonna fucking get here. The mail is so damn." So it's just like how it works, you know, like how how people see they they watch the fucking news, and you know, I'm never gonna get my mail again. Like it's just fucking the system. Like all they have to do is say this shit on the fucking TV and fucking show a picture of the truck with the fucking mailboxes and you're right. never mail. You well, know? I, I can tell you, dude. Like she's not exactly incorrect. You know, I mean, the post office does not hire the best and brightest people. I mean, I'm I'm a high school dropout, dude. I did not pursue college. And that's one of the hooks that is attractive to people that can actually go through the months long hiring process is you don't have to be smart. You don't have to be professional. You just have to not be dyslexic. That's the only thing. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. you can't be dyslexic and work at the post office, but you can be, you can't be a felon either. Yeah. You can't be a felon. That's a big one too. You can't have any kind of criminal history really at all besides some misdemeanors. So that cuts out an entire population as we just discussed, a yeah. massive population that accidentally got a misdemeanor and they never got it cleared up or they, you know, whatever they pled out. Um, but yeah, it doesn't hire the best and brightest. And it's all about the union and the unions, in my opinion, get in the way of real change. And it's not that I'm like pro privatization of the post office. I'm actually kind of excited about this little program It's stupid. This experiment is not working. It's going to it's already backfiring. But to me, what it represents is at least a step toward change. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And an organization that resists change at any cost, because this is a dinosaur bureaucracy that only survives because of dinosaur bureaucracy, administrative desk level jobs that do nothing, that pay way more than I get paid. And I'm out there working 10, 11 hours a day, generally, in 100 degree weather, fucking delivering business bulk garbage junk mail. And that is the mail that's getting delayed. Not the first class shit, really. The first class, some of it does. It gets delayed a whole whopping 12 hours, but you're yeah. still gonna get it. The real stuff that's getting left behind in the office each day is just, it's junk mail, yeah. but junk mail pays the bills. So do you think, uh, what is your perspective on voter fraud and, and U.S. mail? It's been proven to happen time and time again. Yeah. There's tons of evidence about it. There's lots and lots of videos on YouTube of independent journalists and even real mainstream media um, presentations talking about how there were, and I can't name them off off the top of my head, but all you got to do is go on YouTube search engine. Voter mail fraud. Probably these days you won't find shit because yeah, exactly. they're eliminating and censoring everything. But four or five months ago, I did an episode about the post office and privatization. And there's tons of tons of evidence. I mean, dude, it's crazy. I think I mean, I said it in the podcast, how the mail ballots get collected at my office and how they get distributed and sent downtown, you know, sometimes in the back of a civilian's car in the trust that they're gonna make it to the plant. It doesn't have to be that way. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes whole fucking thousands, tens of thousands of ballots will be found in a locked postal truck somewhere on some plant on some parking lot. And they'll find it months or weeks after the election. It's happened before many, many times. And so the idea that like, <laughs> this is, the crazy meme of the removing the post office box is going to eliminate your ability to mail in your ballot is so ridiculous because people use these post office boxes because they're afraid of their mail getting stolen off their porch. Valid point. That happens. But it also happens to the post office boxes. Yeah. People steal shit out of there all the time. People light those fucking things on fire. People yeah. throw their shit in there. They're real shit. Yeah. The funniest, the, the most interesting thing that's happening now is people are taking hinges off of doors, curving them in glue, and sticking fishing wire, and they're just fishing for mail. And you think wow. that they're going to, like, put your ballot back in when they're looking for that check that they can write, you know, that check that they can fucking forge? Yeah. They're looking for money. So the idea of it being a safe thing is just, it's just crazy. But, yeah, there's plenty of evidence about voter fraud in the mail constantly, yeah. you know? Yeah. My favorite story is the one about the guy that uh, rented an actual storage unit because he was getting so far behind in his delivery. So he would just throw all of his uh, mail they couldn't deliver the day and put in the in the storage unit. Have you heard about this? And then and uh, they ended up busting him with like at least one storage unit completely full of undelivered mail because he just couldn't keep up with his route. <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, that actually, there's a story that's very similar to that of a carrier who was actually carrying my route before I started at the post office. There was a guy who was apparently, legend has it, he was a tweaker, and he and his girlfriend had this system. They were stealing people's mail constantly and hoarding it, and they had it hoarded in a storage unit. And when he finally got busted and they found the unit, he had like two or three years worth of first class mail, checks, medications in a storage unit. And so when I got my job and I was working my route, which is actually the same route that I live in. So I know all my customers and neighbors because they're my neighbors in real life. Um, They were really skeptical of me because they they knew about this guy stealing all their stuff. So I kind of had to like prove my worth to them over a couple of years that I was a legit person. And now everything is cool. That guy's probably in jail, but maybe not. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, that was, that was, I mean, people do that shit all the time. They don't hire the best and brightest. They hire the lazy people who can't seem to do anything else. You know, I mean, I worked in kitchens for over 20 years and I was a badass in the kitchen, man. I was, I went from like all the ranks up till I was building and making my own kitchens and hiring and firing everybody. And at the point I was no longer cooking, I was just managing and running all the restaurants. And then I finally got fired for the first time because I was an asshole. I was going through a divorce. It was a dick. I was handling it, handling it like everyone else handles their divorces, you know, um, not in a good way. I got fired, I took some time and I went and started working at the post office because, because I could, because I had no felonies and I had a clean driving record. Nice. You know, That's awesome. so well, uh, you want to trash talk on Kate Brown for a little bit? I know that's Megan's favorite topic over here. <laughs> Get so, I mean, this has just been such a, an amazing journey being an Oregonian, watching the just the trickle down, right? And it's like for a while there, we got into this rhythm of, okay, there, we, we can see the, pro- the, the progress here. So what happens is the Oregonian puts out an article. You know, we got COVID deaths. We got we got an uh, increase in cases. And then maybe a week later, Kate Brown would roll out some new restriction. And it was like clockwork, like one week to the next. Like they had it down to a system, right? And so, um, you know, I haven't it's seen all, it's, it's still It's still going. It's still happening. Um, and we're just wondering what the next level of crazy Well, they just be. added the, the masks within the offices. Oh, yeah. Like that That was just last week. So yep. it's, it's still going. So there, We're not stopping on taking rights away. Yeah. Maybe they don't maybe they don't affect you every single time, but they're we're still going. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, dude, the, the masks in the in the personal office space really just it just digs deeper into the people driving around with the masks on. Oh yeah. God, yeah. Because yeah. that's your that's your personal space. And the real message is don't you go into your own bathroom without a mask. Yeah. That's like that's the messaging, is that even in the the your own private space by yourself. You sure. should be wearing a mask. And that's terrifying because people are already doing it. Well, and there's corporations, I, I forget what businesses I've heard, but that have told the people they're they've they're working from home on their Zoom, they have to wear the mask. So 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 people will see their virtue. Yes. So, yeah. so people will see how virtuous their company is. That yeah. they're adhering to the rules, you know. So um they don't they don't even really need to roll it out as much anymore. They've got us all telling on each other to the point where it's, you know. You're a fucking asshole if you don't have a mask on all the time. Well, and they're taking this, then they're and they're going to take this time too, this school year, to fully roll out the rest of the indoctrination for our kids, because they've got they're going to have all of these kids from from the from the youngest imaginable kids up who are who are able to to function, follow directions, right? So kindergartners, preschoolers, a lot of them, um, and and if they're you know we're talking in the huge the biggest chunk of their day that they're awake seven eight hours a day they're going to be in the care of um, people who don't care about them right because it's such a like you mentioned such a 
agreed to it's a it's an on point system for these kids to be um, fully ruined and worked over and now we're gonna further traumatize and 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 the thing is is at the end of this year then all this generation all these little kids right now they're not going to question it and that's the whole point they've got their parents they, they they've made the parents the bad guy here by forcing the parents to mask their children by forcing the schools to mask these kids to where these kids have have and, and the, the most innocent among us they have literally no voice they have no chance and and everyone who's on board with this is masking these kids you, you, they're completely setting them up for for utter psychological failure down the road they have no they're going to have no ability and they're making sure that they will not speak for themselves they're not going to even see themselves as individuals they're not going to see themselves or their peers as persons and they're going to make sure of it yeah so certainly. no it's it's so fun man it's so fucked. And I mean, you know, it's at the five-year-old mark right now. My my daughter turns five in uh, like three weeks. So, I'm, yeah. but <laughs> there, I've, I've said it, I'm not fucking putting a mask on my daughter ever. You know, yep. so yep. I, it's, it's hard, but it's like at the same time, like I have to acknowledge that this shit fucking works because when this first happened, I was going into the stores and I was like, fuck you, I'm not wearing a mask. As it's gone on, I'm like fucking wearing a mask to go into a store. You know, I try to not go to the store as much, but like it's working and I fucking hate it. It's know? working. We're, we're getting used to it yeah. despite all resistance, you know, and I, that's what makes me the sickest is I'm told, you know, that we just got to get her, my, my daughter is six and, you know, we just, she just, her, I'm told that she should be getting, she should get used to it. You know, I want her to get used to it. And I'm just like, that just makes me so sad. You know, and I know that I don't know how it is in Eugene, but Portland public schools are it's going to be 100 percent online until at least November 5th, which means (laughs) which which means the end of the year, really, because they're already planning for this up to November 5th. You know, there's not going to be any good news between now and then that's going to make that plan, that investment no longer needed. And I think that people need to remember that, like. What's going on with this thing, whether it's, I mean, take the mask out of it, take the BLM and the fucking the social media stuff out of it completely and just try to remember the trillions of dollars invested into this new way. There is so much goddamn money going around through this thing. And you can't look on anything on the Internet or TV without seeing people in masks. I remember seeing this a couple months ago, just like we're, we're. We're making masks. We got these kind of cool masks, but we got even cheaper masks and these masks. And it's like it's like there's a whole new economy and industry burgeoning out of this because there's trillions, literally trillions of dollars being invested into this new way. And that new way is terrifying and it's fucked up and it has nothing to do with our choices whatsoever. I mean, like the Kate Brown thing, you know, when she made the mask mandate in in Oregon in the same tweet or in the same day she says that she wants to make sure everyone in Oregon has a right to decide for themselves for their health yeah. and their body while at the same time mandating everyone wears masks it's just like what the fuck what kind of a dissonance does that do for people it makes them confused and so they just do what the authority says because people have given up their thinking they would yeah. rather the experts do their thinking for them yeah and, and, and that, I, that was what I pulled up on my phone right here what you just said dude June 29th she yeah. would have made statement in response to an abortion law that was uh you know pro-choice law in alabama and her quote was 
Quote, today the U.S. Supreme Court took action to uphold constitutional protections of women's reproductive rights and freedom. The court's decision today affirms what we know. Everybody should have the freedom to make their own decisions about their health, families, lives, and future. On the same day that she rolled out a new mask mandate. What yeah. a fucking hypocrite, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Painful, dude. <laughs> God. Fuck her, dude. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, how are we supposed to take them the seriously? The psychopathy is blatant. Yeah. yeah. And everyone is just like, it's fine. It's totally fine. This is normal. This is cool that she did it. And these are separate issues. And they're not fucking separate issues. But at I all. mean, this is this isn't like new though. This is kind of. I mean, I, I don't like to. History. I don't like to play play the the game. But the Democratic group think is you know they are you know pro vaccine, but they are against uh you know women's reproductive or whatever the yeah. abortion they're against abortion you know like this, this or pro-abortion um they already had these views in place so those kind of just fit right in place right mm-hmm. so I, I don't think it was it's not surprising but it, it is very hypocritical yeah it's isn't it weird how i mean we can see that and so if we can see that and it's not just because we have our fucking squeegeed third eye wide open it's not that <laughs> No, because we actually listen to the words and we hear the words and we're like, wait, wait a minute. What is that? So if we can think that and see that for what it is, I refuse to believe that no one else can. I think people are just complying because they're fucking afraid, not of the virus necessarily. They're afraid of offending other people and then consequently getting canceled, getting canceled by their family, by their husbands and wives their teachers, their bosses, the bus driver, the cabbie, the store clerk. This is social engineering at its finest. It's a Swiss watch. It's going great. So much. I mean, I I think about like where I work and I won't go into where that is, but just like, I know that not everybody believes the same way. I know there's people that probably believe the same way as me, but they all go a fucking long because it's kind of, it's sales, you know, you have mm-hmm. to look good to, to sell this product, you know? And so, so everybody just goes along with the mask and we have to look good. So it's, it's all bullshit, but it's, it's, yeah, it's the social engineering in its finest. You said it. Yeah. It's frustrating, dude. It's frustrating. And, I think, and people are also, I think, undermined by their own, and this is going to sound probably stupid. Maybe, I don't know who cares, who fucking cares? People don't believe in themselves. They don't believe that their voice has any value. They don't believe that their life has any value. They don't believe that they could ever fight anything. So they just give up. They stop. They're like, well, I clearly don't understand. I didn't go to medical school. I don't have a degree. I'm not qualified to speak on that. Yeah. I put out an article that said basically you shouldn't. You should. Yeah. What yeah. Was, how did that go? To, it's dangerous, it's dangerous. To, to, to think for yourself or do your own yeah. research. Said, don't yeah. do your yeah. own research because science has it. Yeah. Forbes article. Like yeah. The science is settled because that's what science is all about is settling the science. Of course it is. Right? Yeah. You got to figure it out. Look no so further. Like that that's, like that that's even a saying. Yeah. 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 We just we yeah. put out a bonus episode a couple days ago about just that that same thing. It's like you know we have access to the same information they do. We we may not be able to analyze this stuff with on the, the you know the same degree, but we, we have access to the same studies and information, and we're basing uh, and and they have a, a propagandized view of the same studies. And yeah. you know it's like you know one of my favorite memes ever is that it says you know I get made fun of. I get made fun of for looking things up on a computer by people that blindly believe whatever the TV tells them. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. you got to be kidding me. Sure. So it's frustrating. Yeah, but, I, listen, I, I listened to that episode. I've been listening a, a little bit far back in your guys' feed, just kind of picking random 
shows. I really appreciate your guys' show. I think it's so cool. It's pretty DIY punk rock. It's got a really approachable value to it. I really like just the casualness of it, but I'm super excited and impressed with your seriousness and your passion for the subject. I don't share the same in the, I don't share the same um, optimism as far as waking people up. I I don't. I mean, (laughs) they probably come come down a little bit as they push far harder. But uh, I I will say, and I've, I've said many times that there's, one piece of hope I see in this. The, the only one piece of hope is that I, I know that just from being the father of a vaccine injured child, that there are thousands and thousands of parents out there that are fucking already in a movement to, against vaccine mandates that will not take this vaccine. And, yeah. and I do believe like if if we can stop this mass rollout of this vaccine, if we can stop that happening, that, that we have a chance. I think so as well. The The problem that I, the reason why I don't share the optimism so much is because I don't know what your situation is, but for me personally, I'm separated from uh, my kid's mom. We've been divorced for a little while. Uh, we don't like each other. We are, we have uh, what, what do they call them? Irreconcilable differences okay. on a great many things. And sure. philosophically is that's the hardest one right there. And so even though she knows that this thing is all bullshit, she would rather our daughter be vaccinated so that she could be out of her hair so that she could go to work and so that our daughter could go to school and that's it. So I'm on your side. I'm on, I fight that fight with you, dude. I really do. I'm absolutely, I'm not, I'm not anti-vax. I'm anti-stacks. I don't want to stack those fucking things up. I think that there are some vaccines that are, that are proven to be safe and some that are not. And so I just don't think First they can be vaccinated they all into one fucking pot, but let's look at them individually. Well, there's no informed know? consent is the yeah. thing. There is yeah. no informed anything. Medical and that's, that's not all medical decisions need to be based on informed consent. Yeah. We should not just blindly trust big pharma that we know fucking lies and has been fucking like they all have felonies for fucking lying and killing people. Right. Like, since they're shielded from being yeah. getting any more felonies. Yeah. I mean, in this, so it's sure. Yeah, so we 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 stand on that one, and I I I feel for your situation. That is a yeah, fuck situation to be in. It's right? it's a fuck situation, but it, I mean, the, ultimately, what it really what it rings constantly to me, and why I kind of find myself treading water on it, is because as much as I completely agree with you, and I also completely understand her mom's point of view, can it's reasonable? It's totally reasonable. The I the the question of vaccinating my kid in order to get her to be able to go to school it's just simply not my decision alone to make. Sure. Right. And that's sure. where the real struggle comes in because I could I could show her mom vaxxed. I could introduce her to Dell Big Tree. We can get on the phone and have a conversation since we've kind of got this community building. How amazing was that to share space with Dell Big Tree? Uh, yeah. uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's safe to say that that guy's, you know, we're kind of in his pocket. He's kind of in our pocket at this point, which is pretty cool. That's an, a tremendously valuable resource. But you got people that simply have they do not want to hear that. Because that represents a fracture in a particular worldview that allows them to be safe and insulated from danger. Because who's Del Bigtree? He's not fucking Dr. Fauci. What does he know? Yeah, yeah man. You know? Nail on so you got people that are just, they're just, no, they got this wall up and they're just, you can't convince them. And the more you do, and believe me, I was getting through um, 
I was getting through to her on the rioting and the protesting here in town and showing and sharing some of the live streams and saying, uh, are these the peaceful ones that you're in love with? Or because this is happening, you know, and she's like, what? And this, you know, and then months ago with the coronavirus stuff, I'm like, look, look at this. Look at this. Look at this document. Look at this live stream. Look at this doctor, these doctors, these doctors, these doctors. And so she's like, what you mean? You know, and so she was getting there. And then now, you know, it's, it's just walls. Like, no, I don't want to talk about it, you know, uh -huh. but instead she'll instead. And I fall for it every time I get instigated into a certain level of discourse where my reaction is predicted. And so I have to be like extra cautious to just, just keep it strictly business, you know, and that's the real tricky part for me is because I'm really only interested in the welfare of my daughter. There's yeah. no relationship there outside of that. It's just yeah. me and my girl. And when she's with me, she's with me. Yeah. But her full life decisions and the things that we can do as parents, we have to compromise. And I just don't, I'm, I'm not, somehow I'm just not convincing enough <laughs> to get past the vaccine thing, you yeah. know, because it's not even about, it's not even about health. In my particular arrangement right now, it's not about the health or safety of my kid. It's about my kid being accepted in school. It's about acceptance. That's the hang up is I need the kid to go to school so she doesn't act. So she's not a weird homeschooled kid. And so while she's at school, we can both go to work and build our careers and support our lives. These are reasonable. She's it's not an unreasonable thing, you know, but just the fact that it's simply about that. It's not even about safety. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the, that's the, that's where I keep hitting the wall every time. And no, it makes total sense. And I get it. Like I'm, and I wonder how many other people are experiencing that. Like, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of divorced parents. There's a lot of separated families and kids that are going through. I mean, I've heard this story over and over again. If one parent's, if one parent is, pro vaccine that that kid is getting vaccinated. I mean, you can, they can use that in custody to take the kid from the other. For parent. Sure, for that sure. happens Absolutely. Absolutely. Which brings me to another point too, with, you know, I know that you guys, and I do believe too, that there very well could be a forced vaccine and that this whole mask thing is just a warm up exercise yes. to yeah. a big unroll. I totally agree with that. So in the case that there is a mandatory vaccine for kids to go to school, and uh, and for kids to maybe, you know, see their dads or moms, you know, like what if uh, I refuse the vaccine because I'm a grown adult and I have in informed consent and I say no. Well, then um, how's that going to affect my custody? Will I be able to see my kid and spend time with her as part of my arrangement because I refuse the vaccine? Does that make me a biological terrorist and a threat? You know, I think that's a question. That's a question that I haven't heard anyone ask. Yeah. Nor I, no, and that's an excellent no, question, and it's valid. And I'm sure that the 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 dark side has already considered that. So it's good that you bring it up. No, I mean we're we're blessed in the fact that I mean I'm separated from uh, my kid's mother as well, but I mean she's on the same page with this issue, and like Lucky. we. We yeah, my ex is an well, I will say I was I was on the other side. Like like she kept pushing me, and I fucking finally did the research, and that's why I'm here today. Yeah, wow. Realistically, that that was. I mean, I I knew some shit was fucked up, but like that was my real red pill was the vaccine issue. You know, it was like, holy shit, they'll fucking lie to us on that level. They'll fucking. Yeah do this to our kids, you know, like that's fucking opened the whole world to me. So, um, and then, and then you just go down and you see they've lied about everything. 
everything. Time where they can fucking, you know, control, manipulate, whatever, you know, make money. Like it's wherever they could, they did. Right. And so once you know that, like, they've lied about everything, you think there's going to, when did they stop? Do you think they stopped? (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's so, our capitulation and acquiescence yeah. that allows them to push, keep on pushing further, you know, and yeah. it's just like that's, yeah. that's where we're at right now. Yeah. You know, the, they just feel bold, the boldness to keep rolling out because we aren't doing anything about it. They're just like they're in a room laughing somewhere. They're just like smoke filled room like these guys are actually falling for it again. Like, like they're just going to keep pushing, man. I think that it's time we do. I mean, I don't even know. I don't know what the solution is. Honestly. What's to be done? I mean, but, really, I've been trying to rack my brain. What is to be done? There's nowhere to go. What's happening with us here, what we're all doing with the Up Is Down podcast, with Truzilla, with the Union of the Unwanted, we're just planting seeds, man, because my my Let's try to grow it. That's all we can there's do. There's going to be a catalyzing event. There's going to be some a break, some breakaway sex of us. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, well, yeah. like yeah. you know what I mean, and that's yeah. that's yes. that, that's not that's not that's not doable for all the families that need to not be acquiescent to this mandated vaccine though that's not the answer for everybody so again then the and the question is because yeah it might keep them out of school but what if it keeps you out of the grocery stores too and it's like you say well then you can't see this parent or that parent or or you know the the parents simply say no and the state simply comes in and says you're not fit and that's i think going to be a big one and and i could probably spend a long long time talking about the abuses of child protective services and how what a big money maker that is for the states and and the and the the gross um, abuses that go on there. Oregon alone, we have uh, the second, uh, no, we have the highest, let me think, what was it? We have the highest, um, double the amount of abuse with kids in foster care in Oregon than any other state in the country. Yeah, it's probably uh, old stats, not after COVID too. So, right, so, I mean, and so, um, yeah, it's, uh, anyway. And do you know, Megan, was that, is that under, um, has that stat evolved under the jurisdiction of Kate Brown alone, or is that something that's been accumulative over time? Over time, over time, I believe. But like throughout throughout her governorship, or even prior, like with um, what's his name, Kitzhaber, or Kitzhaber, yeah. In general, Oregon has had the highest. I mean, we are we're hor- the the way that we treat kids in foster care in Oregon. My grandparents were uh, old school foster parents here for like thirty years, and I remember back when they were battling, you know, like that. And we might have to edit this out later. I don't know if I'm allowed to say like Susan Day. She was horrific for kids in the system. You know, just the the higher up you you get. The, the, the worse it is for these kids and they and they are they're not removing kids that really need to be removed um, a, I mean, it's, it's trauma factory it's just 100 yeah. percent and and but they are and they're removing um, certain kids and then then and then too we can get into the fact they're removing kids that are easier to keep in the system right the ones that look a certain way the ones that are easier to adopt out when and if the state ever you know ter- terminates parental rights which you know usually kids are in the system for years and years and years and years and years and it's not even a possibility by the end and we'll yeah. go on and on down dark spirals with that but um it's it's absolute uh it's and it's like you say it works just like they want it to but it's yeah. it's absolute treachery against children and families totally really and, and the job that it's meant to do is not what is carried out through that agency at all not at all and not throughout the doctors and those agencies these kids are in terrible jeopardy so now we're talking about you know and and that was another thing that brown was um behind what was what's the bill not the due process bill let me remember the universal home home visit oh, 526 oh, yeah. bill 526 at Brown was standing behind for the universal home visits for uh, infants up to six months old. This was just in January of last year um, where she was wanting these um, 
state workers or nurses to be able to come into your house at like 24 hours after birth. And I don't remember, I think it was like two weeks and then like at two months to essentially assess whether or not your baby had everything that it needed and whether or not you had any questions. But really what we're talking about is we're, we're, we're essentially saying that, that parents um, aren't capable of looking after their own children. They're not capable of, of overseeing their welfare. And what we need is, is an agent of the state to come in and ensure that we're doing right by our children. So what happens now when, when you have an agent from the state that comes in and sees like, you know, a MAGA hat? What happens if you have an agent of the state that right. comes in and sees yeah. Black Lives Matter? Who knows where, you know, like no matter where you stand, you're going to have somebody standing on the opposite side. And do you really, is this really what, what we're supporting? And and if you look at what Kate Brown's agenda is, you know, when you take all these little different pieces, essentially she's just, she's, she's an absolute traitor. She's an absolute traitor. Um, and she's, she's a liar. She's absolutely vile. And she has built her career standing on the trampled and shredded pages of our constitution. I agree with that. And I think it's, it's, we're playing chess with her and we're all in check. It's, yeah. it's worth noting that these welfare checks and these types of um, actions and legislations, they, they're, they're not for the elites. They're not for the governors and they're not for the social <laughs> city council members. These are for poor people. These are poor people laws. You think anyone in the city council is having a welfare check coming over to their right. house? Right. That doesn't happen. This is for poor people. Right. All poor people, unless you're in that position, and this is part of the weird communitarian thing and the whole civic the civic leaders of the the non-elected but self-appointed civic leaders, and by civic leaders, I mean your city council members, your, your union leaders, your uh, local community activist groups. Those are the people that get a seat at the table to decide what's best for you. And those people are also poor, but they're not as poor as you. And so there's this weird class standing thing that happens. Oh, I think I lost you guys again. Hear us? We can see and hear you. Oh, I got you. Okay. We're back. We're back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll cut all those, dude. So, damn, dude. Well, that was good, man. I, I feel like I, I wanted to go talk about, like, freaking uh, target individuals and all that stuff. Like, you got a couple good episodes on that. But maybe we'll save it for another episode or something. We can do that whenever you want, man. I'm I'm willing to talk to you guys as long as you ever, as long as you like, man. I think you guys are fucking awesome, and I'm excited. If you come up to Portland, maybe we can hang out for a little bit. I'm not gonna be able to make it to that cool comedy show. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I missed the boat. I it's sold out. I can't get a ticket, hey, even though I got that night off. We got an extra, got an extra ticket. Got an extra come extra with ticket. us. You wanna come? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. totally. We got yeah. table, table four. Table for four. Yeah, <laughs> that is so cool. I'd be honored. That'd be a real treat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be real I'm, yeah, I'm free that night, so that'll totally that's totally awesome. Yeah, they're not doing like tickets, you just buy a table, and so it's yeah. a table yeah. for four, and there's three of us, so like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Well, we were talking ah. the fourth, so perfect. Yeah. That works so cool. cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're gonna have to wear a mask to get in that bitch, but right. Right. And I'm gonna eat I, really I'm slowly sure. the rest of the time. Yeah, you just eat. <laughs> I'm sure that like he's gonna fucking talk shit about masks the entire time. I hope so, he does. So yeah. at least we'll, even if we have to do it, we'll at least be talking shit about at it. At least we'll be in good company with everyone that hates it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so do you guys have any theories, real quick? I know you guys probably got to go, but me and my girlfriend kind of go back and forth about the people that are serious about the masks and the people that aren't. And she tends to believe that the people that are wearing the paper doctor mask standard issue, she thinks that those are the people who are like, fuck this mask thing. If you want me to wear this, I'm going to wear this stupid thing. I think that the people that are like, fuck this mask thing. If you want me to wear this, I'm going to wear this bandana. I'm not going to wear an over the ear thing designed, a designed mask. What do you guys think about that? 
Okay, well, I, I will say first off, like I, I'm obviously always a fuck the mask guy. So, yep, so for the longest time, I just wore those fucking paper throwaway shit because they would give them to me free at work for mm -hmm. one, and I didn't want to buy a fucking mask. I was like, fuck the mask, I didn't want to buy one. But then uh, my baby's mama, she had a friend who made some cheesecloth ones that you can actually fucking breathe in. So nice. I bought one of those because it's, you know, it's all fucking bullshit anyway. So you can, yeah. it's, you can actually get air through the thing. So I got one of those. But then I also, I got one of those fucking face shields so I can go to the fucking gym because I will not wear a fucking mask at the gym. That is so ridiculous. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I, I, lost I can't do that. Two, yeah. two gyms I had I to know, get. I know. I heard the show, man. I mean, the one that you were really upset about, but there was another one, too. I, I was. Uh, yeah. And then so then I joined another gym and it seemed it was going to be great. I went two days. I went two days That's with bad. this guy. And, and he was like, pump, he, he was like, it's going to be cool. He's like, I called ahead. He's like, I'm not going to make you mask then, up. It's good. It's good. It's good. July 1st rollout. And, and I went twice, two days around on the third day we were talking about it and they rolled out that mask mandate. I'm like, well, that's it that's because it. I'm not going to fucking do it. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. But, but, um, but I have, I have all different masks, right? So I have the paper fuck you mask and mine says Kate Brown is a tyrant and Sharpie. and Sharpie. Yeah. Real, real pretty across the front. So I have that one. I've had that one right from the start. Um, there's like, I found some places in town that I know for sure I can visit them. They don't ask. I don't tell. I just walk in the door with my normal individual human spirit and no mask on and I do business with them and there's no issues with that. Um, yeah. but I also have an Infowars mask because yeah. fuck them. Yeah. Um, yeah. just in case, because there's like some grocery stores, like, you know, there's some places in town, they straight yeah. up will not let you, they will not check you out. Yeah. Um, or, or I should say, I haven't run into this, but I have friends that have shopped at a couple places where I've shopped. They're like, they won't check you out. And I, I get anxiety. It's like, you know, you talked about like it sometimes, and I've talked to them about this. Like, I know I have to do, like I have kiddos at home. I have to do grocery yeah. shopping. Yeah. And so, the, so now my kids don't go with me anywhere, right? Or if they do, yeah. they're locked in a yeah. running car. They're locked in a running corner. Right. Am I allowed to say, uh, please don't come I for me? Because I'm not going to mask my children to take them into yeah. the store. That's absolutely not going to happen. So if anyone has to be, has to be masked, it's going to be me. And uh, it's either, and so then I also have a, a Trump 2020, but I don't wear that around anyone who's handling my friggin' food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just because, you know, screw you for making me wear it. So um, that's, that's for me, too. It's like, I'm not going to align myself like Trump. No. That shit, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm but, apolitical. But it pisses off people who really, really are pro-mask, yeah. which just feeds yeah. my it fire because right yeah. that's it. Yeah. So, like, oh, you really want me to put on a mask? Okay, we can play that game. Boom. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I, I just have a bandana that I've never washed and I don't care because I mean this is the thing I fucking I drink beer and smoke cigarettes every single day I walk around outside every single day why am I not sick yeah I don't take this shit seriously at all why am I not sick I don't use sanitizer I wash my hands because I'm not an animal but I don't use the sanit I don't clean I mean I clean my house because I'm also not an animal but I just why am I not sick so um this band swans wearing a mask yeah, well, this, this this band Swans, I love them a lot, and so they actually produced a mask um, with the teeth logo, and then another one that just says, um, "You fucking people make me sick," and so yeah. I got that one. That's and so good. that's yeah. just, and and unfortunately, it's an over the ear mask, but it just says, "You fucking people make me sick," yes. and it's yeah. perfect. It's yeah. perfect. It is perfect. Oh, yes. oh. So I, I don't even wear that one that much. Only when I go to the store do I wear that one. But when I'm out at the office getting my shit um, I wear the bandana and so far they haven't mandated us to wear these things outside 
like I do my kid. When my kid goes to daycare and goes on a little field trip to the park, she has to wear a mask in 100 degree weather. And it makes me want to cry. That's bullshit, man. You know? It's insane, dude. It's frustrating. Yeah, I heard that in one of your episodes. And, and speaking of which, too, like one of one of the other real good episode series that you did is the, uh, I know we talked a little bit about it, the uh, Tracy Twyman three-part series where you reposted some of her um, uh, what, Plus Ultra episodes and then the one with yeah. the whistleblower um, regarding the Target Individual episode, dude. And like that, that shit was blowing my mind into pieces. And I was familiar with Tracy Twyman and her work. I'm a big fan of uh, Ground Zero, Clyde Lewis. And, there you uh, go. And, uh, you know, having her on there and then just the whole news of her um, death was just, like, just shocking, man. I remember the day Clyde came on and was talking about it. Like, it was just, like, you know, just, just crying on air. And it's just so shocking. And, and then to, and then started to coming out, you know, that she was doing this deep investigation into, um, you know, sex trafficking, child trafficking, and uncovered some, apparently, some pretty big nuggets. And, and then just, you know, if you hear her voice in those last few episodes, like, it's just, like, she you can tell she's scared you can tell that she's being threatened and being targeted oh yeah um, and, and and she's saying like very blatantly i'm not suicidal and i know what's what's coming what's happening and i see, I see the threats and i see all this stuff and then for that to end up happening but it's and so it's just really haunting and chilling so i want to encourage everyone to go back and listen to those episodes along with all other dean's other episodes man um but the 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 thing that really struck me too was that um the gentleman from seattle i can't remember his name off the top of my head of just saying how like these you know what we're seeing with the riots and what we're seeing with all this insurrection and stuff like this can right. potentially be a very orchestrated thing just using frequencies you know just using certain technologies can you know actually perpetuate this type of human behavior and that the whole at the time he was working for him like the whole time oh, i just felt like tonight is some ringing in my ear just now weird okay ah see it's hard individual dude oh my god anyway <laughs> i mean dude that that sounds that yeah. sounds a little you're absolutely right and i think that's cool thanks for the props on that episode but just the fact that you had a little twitch in your jaw or your ear yeah, just, it just sounds ridiculous like oh that could be something but i don't think it should be discounted that it that it's not something you know i think that the idea of gang stalking has is also it's one of those weird truth or community things that's kind of gets relegated to its own little corner of of paranoia and inexplicable things that are, you know, people that maybe, maybe they're schizophrenic, maybe they're not, there's really no way about it. But I think some of the stuff I laid out on those episodes kind of make a little bit of a case that it's a pretty broad thing and that there's actually a pretty big market behind that. But I've recently been following this individual named Dr. James Giordano, and he's a, he's a biological engineer he works for the department of defense for the pentagon and i've got a couple episodes um if you go back into my feed and check out wwmd square uh, or i think it's mwmd square mind weapons of mass destruction and disruption he lays all this stuff out about how the mind is the new battlefield and particular phrases that he throws around in that lecture i just did the whole hour and a half minute you know hour 30 minute lecture and just put that up as an episode He's a frightening, psychopathic, crazy, brilliant, mad scientist. And this guy is, he describes in detail how through the control of the narrative, through the control of memes and the targeting of particular frequencies and magnetic frequencies on individuals, groups, communities, collectives, states, nations, whatever enemy needs to be had, they can be completely manipulated and altered. And to dance and think and tick the way you want them to talk. And this shit is old news. 
And then there's the whole Delgado thing with this guy, this scientist back in the 70s. Delgado got a charging bolt to stop in uh-huh. mid stride, you know. And then I was just watching that video, dude, of that poor bastard in, in Portland who got his head smashed by that motherfucker who kicked him in the head. Did you guys see that? Yeah. Fucking brutal, man. This guy, these guys were just fucking people up, you know, and the guy that kicked him in the head. Of course, he got outed within minutes of that happening. Someone found his name. And so I found the hashtag and I'm looking at it. And someone posted a couple of old Facebook um, screenshots that he'd put up and on Facebook a couple of years ago. And he's describing how like in between threatening rants to people in these Facebook posts from this is the guy, the attacker guy about a year and a half ago in between threatening rants, he's stating I just don't feel myself anymore. What's wrong with me? Something feels weird. I don't feel normal. What's wrong with me? And I've also been talking to some other targeted individuals who've been contacting me through my podcast and through my website, expressing and explaining their same experiences that Tracy was going through. They don't think it's this. They think it might be that. I think it's an incredibly broad thing. And I have I don't have any evidence and there's no way to prove it because that's also by design. But I think that there's a pretty big potential that a lot of these protests, not only in Portland, but in Minneapolis and Atlanta and St. Louis and all over the fucking maybe the world, but especially over the country, have been controlled and modulated through technology, through stingray technology to fuck with people's heads through electric magnetic fields, electric magnetic pulses, sounds, images, lights. Um, uh, screens. Think about this. This is going to be kind of crazy and esoteric, I know, but what we're seeing in these streams of people, these live streams of the protests, everyone has their phone, you know, in their hand like this. They're all, everything's, you know, they're filming everything. Not only because everyone wants to be a fucking star because we're all so disgustingly narcissistic, but because they're, so they're filming everything. And so they're not watching what's happening in real life in real time. They're watching it through the screen, through the prism of crystals, which is a black mirror. And so they're mirroring in real time, what's happening in real life through this device. And they're living and focusing through that. And I think that that's, um, another dimension. They're living out another existence in another dimension. Again, that's also part of the masking ritual of a change of personality, a step of initiation where you would leave one form and enter into another form. And that is usually done not on an individual basis, but in a cultic collective basis, hence the gatherings and the transformation of people that were otherwise sitting in record stores, buying records and drinking beer and going to the river. And now they're burning down buildings and beating people up. And I don't think that these people's thoughts and actions, these chants, the rule of threes, the defund the police, abolish police, Black Lives Matter, um, say his name, I can't breathe, these rule, these chants, these things that are forming new neural pathways, they're under a fucking spell. I don't believe that these thoughts are entirely their own. I think all, not all, but I think a lot of these people are literally being used through electronics, through technology to act and tick the way particular groups of people want them to tick and talk. That doesn't, that doesn't excuse, that doesn't um, relinquish them from responsibility. But I think that we're seeing, yeah, they're still responsible for what they do, even if they don't know what they're doing. It makes you wonder, does anyone have any memory? Are people who are going through these things and they're engaging in violence, are they in that period, do they remember every moment of it? Are they experiencing missing time? Are they hearing voices? 
are those voices, is that voice that they might be hearing in their mind, are they mistaking that for just instinct? Because every one of us hears some sort of call throughout the day, like, oh, I've got to go, you know, and, and it's a voice, it's a signal that we hear in our minds. But is that really our minds? Is that really instinct? Or is that a message from somewhere else? Yeah, and yeah. to consider that there's been these planes flying over Portland, not just Portland, but all over Minneapolis, all over the, all over the riot places, long before the riots and the protests even started, way back at the beginning of the coronavirus. My girlfriend and I have been tracking these planes with these uh, little apps where they basically, it's an app that shows everything in the sky of where they're going and what they are and when they took off. And a lot of these little planes, they're little, they're little prop Cessnas and all of their information is clean. They're wiped. There's no information as to where they took off, where they're going. And they're just circling and circling and circling and circling. And I believe that they're actually using Stingray technology to intercept your transmissions of your phone, your computer. They're mining all of your data and they're building digital profiles of you and some sort of an algorithm to then correlate and communicate with you on a different level of intelligence possibly coordinating your very actions and your thinking and your motivations. So why doesn't that affect me? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, dude. And, and I love, I love getting into the esoteric stuff. And I think that this is a good little segue into how we can wrap it up here, man. Like, uh, you know, I, I like to look, read like Manly P. Hall, you know, all that good stuff, you know, the, um, but I know one of the main principles is the whole principle of up is down, you know, as above, so below. You know, there's a lot of esoteric meaning in the inversion of the inversion. You know, just the inversion of reality. And, and if you can speak on to that maybe for a minute and why you chose that as the name of your podcast, the Up is Down podcast. Oh, oh great. Yeah, thanks. I think um, um Really, it started because I started just seeing everything in a different lens. I started seeing that we are living in a, in a really flipped upside down kind of world and that there is no such thing as death. Does that really mean that we're really alive? And there's just this sort of different, there's just a different way of looking at things where there's, there is no, um, there is no definitive one way. And it's also, uh, it's, I started noticing that we're living in more and more of a binary type of existence and more of an, a polarized type of lifestyles and existence in societies. And that this is this, you're either with us or you're against us. You know, we've been learning this type of polarity for over God, dude, 20 years since nine 11, since you're either with the, with us or you're with the terrorists, you know? And yeah, so yeah, this yeah. kind of, this kind of flip flop thing, and I was like, well, if I'm not with you or the terrorist, then where am I? You know, like we're we're in this upside down kind of world and there is a real aversion thing, inversion thing happening. I'm not super familiar with the Kabbalists and the um, as above, so below. But I do believe that what's happening down here on the terrestrial plane is is very likely uh, mirrored in a celestial or cosmic plane. And my girl and I go back and forth about this all the time because she's like, she's way up there. She's way up there in the cosmic celestial plane. And she's very, that's where her interests are. And I'm way down here on the terrestrial plane. I'm really concerned with the social engineering and the politics of how the human condition has been evolving and devolving and whatever it's transforming into. I think we've been, I think, like I said earlier, I think we've been going through, uh, this is just another arm of a big mega ritual and a lot of that mega ritual is leaving and transforming from one life into another, from a boy into a man, from a young woman into a mother, and through the traumatic rebirthing. You know, we're going through a birth trauma. We're changing into something and we don't really know where we're going. And so I've been saying for a little while, 
since the coronavirus thing that not only is is you know everything upside down up is really down as it turns out maybe the earth is flat who knows they've lied about everything else i'm not married to the ball i'm not married to the idea of it being a globe or there being planets i'm open to anything what i do know is that everything that i thought and was taught to be true has turned out to be a lie yes yep and that yes. is an extremely it makes me mad it makes me mad because it puts us all in an extremely precarious position to teach our children and to teach ourselves our own thinking and our own and learn relearn how to think. So yeah. first you have to first you have to unthink and unlearn everything yeah. that you learned. And then you got to teach yourself how to think a whole different way and not even believe that either. So you got to stay hungry for everything constantly. So you're yeah. never full. And that makes you you have late nights, late at night and not enough sleep and working too hard and constantly obsessing. At least that's how I do it. And it's not necessarily healthy, but man, it makes me it makes me happy to at least know that I'll, I don't ever, ever want to be satisfied. To me, there is the science is not settled, motherfuckers. No, I, we got exactly. more to go. Okay. You're peeling back the veil gives hope because otherwise we're just standing in it. We're standing in a, in a glass ball. It's, it's, it's all pretend. It's all fantasy. Like you say, everything that we know, everything we've been taught is a lie. And I think that like you touched on earlier, like people putting up like those walls because it becomes so overwhelming when you realize that it's all it's all of it. And so much of it's connected and, it, and it's such a it's such a crazy, complicated web that's potentially, you know, like, you know, we're talking about co potentially cosmic. Right. We've got interdimensional webbing now. It's, it's, it's really overwhelming. But also there's hope in the lifting of that veil. There is hope and there is found there's firm foundation on the terrestrial plane with the lifting of that fantasy veil. And I think that that's where kind of like that collective hope and that, and what we can teach our children going forward um, is something, even if we haven't found the truth, at least we know that we're not living the teach truth. And, and that's, yeah, and that's Truth just it. Think. Absolutely, because we weren't any of us taught from a young age to do that. So we have this unique opportunity as learning as we go to do, to teach this to our children. So. Right. I mean, maybe pass the torch well. I mean, you know. Back to these same simple things is why do you believe what you believe? Yeah, right? for like, sure. So we always say, why do you believe it? Where'd it come from? And, uh, you know, does someone benefit from yeah. you thinking that? Yeah. You know? Um, I grew up seeing that quote all the time when I was a kid. And I, cause my, I had like a hippie mom and she was always like, oh, question everything, you know? And I don't know how much she really did question everything, but I always kind of remember like hearing that little quip. And it's just something you kind of toss away, toss away. And now that I'm like an adult and, you know, becoming more aware of the world, now I'm like telling my kids, well, you really need to question everything and even question what I'm telling you, you know what I mean? And, sure. and question and, and not to, to give, give rabbit holes can be scary, you know what I mean? And so then too, yeah. like when you're speaking to like for children's sake, right, either they're going to get the propaganda and the lie and they're going to get the indoctrination and, and, you know, we're going to throw them away to hopelessness or they're going to have those of us that are building this foundation and trying to, to give them, um, a torch to carry forward. Um, and they're going to get it from us and they're going to get it from those of us connected in this like-minded community where we want this for our children. We want this for our families and we want this for the generations that come after us. Right. I mean, it's not yeah, just about all of us here at this, this is, this yeah, is, certainly. you know, foundation stuff. I mean, right. So, is, uh, was Valentine, Billy Ray Valentine, Billy Ray Valentine yeah, yeah, yeah. but the two, two union unwanted to go like the, we, we're probably not going to win this, this war in our lifetime, but we can at least set the stage for our children yeah. to, to have a fighting chance. Absolutely. That's, that's kind of what it's about, you yeah. know, and, and we can yeah. teach them to critically think. But one other thing that just came into my mind was 
hilarious to me is I, I had uh, I had diversity training this morning at work on the on the oh, Zoom. Oh my god! They put this PowerPoint up and they said uh, it was it was learn, unlearn, and and relearn. I think were the three things. What do you think is the, the hardest? And it's the unlearning. I just it just it just funny how it, it it that was the one thing that stuck out of the whole hour of uh, of bullshit that I heard. Like yeah. That is the most difficult was unlearning, yep. you know, we're, but we've already done that. We're now we're, we're, we're free to relearn. Yes. You know, we're, we're yeah. free. And that's what we're about is like teaching people to think for themselves so they can unlearn the bullshit that we've been fucking, that, that we don't even know why we believe. Right. You know, well, another interesting thing too, not to keep you guys longer, but like, that's also why I think the written word is so indispensable as a tool and as a real ground, it's a real grounding source for people who like to think and like to learn um, because you we, we can't we clearly we can't rely on youtube and we can't rely on google we can't rely on these platforms and these technologies to save us the only thing that can really save us and keep us grounded and remembering is actually having the tangible book in your hand yep. that's mm-hmm. it so i think having the opportunity for people like like tracy twyman she's got a shit ton of books but she's only got about three or four that are actually printed the rest of them are ebooks. And if those platforms like Amazon decide to just say, we're eliminating this, or yeah. we're, you know, you're not going to be able to find a publisher to publish this book. And so we have to start self publishing our own stuff. And that could be even as simple as just making a couple zines, you know, yeah. but to, to creating tangible informational sources. And even if that's just like on a website and you are just literally printing yes. the website pages. Yes. And having those tangibles because those websites are going down all the time. As soon as you see those interesting rad videos like uh, the Mikovits Corona, you know, pandemic thing, download <laughs> that and put it on a separate hard drive and keep it somewhere because it's going to disappear. They because- don't want us thinking and learning. You know, they really don't. And so when when my kid is, you know, she's in fucking ki- she was in kindergarten last year and they're trying to tell her about Martin Luther King. And, you know, and I had just done a huge deep dive into Martin Luther King and the assassination. And I'm just like, oh, I can't wait to tell her that it's that there's so much more to that story. <laughs> what about the 1999 civil trial? Did David mention that? Probably. Probably not. <laughs> oh, probably not. They probably didn't mention Jesse Jackson or Billy Kyle or the guys wearing ties or James Earl Ray and the mafia setup and the Raul guy and nothing. None of that stuff. But then you look at, you know, great comedians like Dick Gregory and he'll walk you through that holding your hand. Yeah. You know, and that's another interesting thing is we get our I mean, I, I get most of my news and most of my informational um, deconstructions from a, a particular podcast called No Agenda. That yeah, show, yeah. it's you probably maybe you've heard of it. It's the three hour long twice a week with John, John Dvorak and Adam Curry. But those guys do a great job of like really just breaking down all the information and, and exercising critical thinking. But then I get most of my real news through comedians. Because those guys, for the most part, are still allowed to just say it for what it is. Uh-huh. You know? And I go back and forth between like the hard, weird, super, um, you know, part of the problem. Uh, Dave Smith is he's an anarcho-capitalist, yeah. ultra, you know, ultra um, libertarian. And then there's Jimmy Dore, who is like a progressive Democrat. You know, I, I try to keep it going back and forth. And there's some things I disagree with on both of them. But I love the fact that they're so hilariously in, in, uh, ingenious way of putting these pieces together and presenting the information for what it is. And so I think that's, that's critical, but it makes our jobs as parents, you know, doubly harder because we might know 
more of the story about some of these false flags. And yet our kids are being told, you know, my kid came home from her kindergarten with the United Nations coloring book. And, 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 and a Black Lives Matter coloring book. And I looked at the coloring book, the Black Lives Matter one, and it is the most racist, stereotyped shit. It's just like blacker than black, like Negro, cool 70s, like black. And I'm just like, girl, man, like not every black person looks like this. Did you know that? You know, like, did you know that not every black person looks and says and write and talks like this? Like, this is stereotype. This is fucking racist. Totally. Yeah. She's six. She's six. She doesn't care. She yeah. doesn't care about race. She doesn't care if boys want to be girls. She doesn't give a shit. But our public school system is pounding it into their heads that you should care about this, you seven-year-old. Yeah. 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 Well, that's the programming. That's That's the programming for the for the future agenda and the future virtue signaling. And like you say, getting everyone to move in the flow of their intellectual traffic as they as they would like to see have happen. Um, And because because and and the way that it's supposed to be is that children are supposed to learn their values, their ideals, their ethics and their morals from their families. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's what gives the family unit its sanctity and its sovereignty. And that's what gives our the the individuality of families is what makes the humanity be the most beautiful, eclectic, interwoven thing imaginable. That's the miracle. Right. And that's the threat. they, that's what they want stripped. That's, that's the agenda. The at the end of the day. That's why yeah. they've been breaking oh, families up for the past seventy years. Oh yeah, Kill, yeah. yeah. We want the babies dead. We want the old people dead. We want the moms in the workplace. We want the dads all busy and fucked off. And we want the kids institutionalized in daycare or, and daycare. Yeah. And then yeah, and, and off to prison and and addicted to drugs and sex and anything else that will distract them from a healthy, functioning, thriving life. Yes, so. based in experience and trust and commitment and love. Accountability and accountability, and, responsibility, success through failure, and all of these kind of things, and and yeah, absolutely, wherewithal. You know what I mean? The ability to stay committed and see something through. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Now, if that isn't a threat to the status quo, I don't know what is. <laughs> That's why I think all this shit is running along just smooth as can be, man. It's all great. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. You know, they got us right where they want us, man. Oh, so Fucking much. Pissed so off and talking to each other on Skype and just trying to stick together because we can't talk to anyone else. <laughs> That's so true. You know? We're playing right into their hand. I know. Fucked up, man. But it's also beautiful. This has been really cool, man. I think you guys are awesome. I can't wait to hang out. Yeah, totally. I think we could be friends. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. For so, sure, man. Dean, tell us yeah. where our audience can find you, dude. Um, you can find all of my podcasts at deanreiner.com. That's uh, R-E-I-N-E-R, D-E-A-N-R-E-I-N-E-R.com. I have a whole bunch of art that I've put up that I've made over the years. I used to paint oh, like a motherfucker, and I've sold almost everything, but I still have a whole bunch of artwork um, that I I keep around. And that's where I started doing the podcast because I had married making art in with getting really loaded. And then when I stopped getting really loaded and stopped getting loaded at all, I can still drink beer, but I, don't, I just don't get fucked up anymore, which is weird. It's just weird. But since I stopped getting loaded – the art changed and I found myself in a corner of like, Oh, how do I continue to make art without being loaded all the time? And then I realized that, Oh, I don't have to make the same art. Yes. I can do something different. 
Beautiful. Uh, I can teach myself how to do something different. So I started doing the podcast, but I still have art and I still make art. I just do the podcast more because it's a little bit more terrestrial. And my just the work, the life work life that I have prevents me from committing to big fuck off paintings that take weeks sometimes to create because I'm working like a madman. And with a podcast, like I could talk to you guys for a couple of hours. I could do a thing in like six hours and have it be done and uploaded and produced. So you can find all my thread at um, DeanReiner.com. You can find Up Is Down podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, Spreaker. Um, I'm also on the No Agenda stream, which is amazing. The No Agenda podcast has a 24-hour stream of just endless different podcasts. There's about 35 different podcasts. It's all commercial-free. It's no sponsorship, nothing like that. It's all listener-produced. Um, we do value for value. So I offer my podcast on the same model. I offer the information and the thing produced to you for free. I will never, as far as I can stand it, and as long as I can imagine it anyway, I will never put anything behind a paywall, a subscription base. I will never try to offer products or commercials for sponsorship because I don't want to be censored. I only offer it to you for free in the hopes that you find it valuable. And if you do find it valuable, that you consider returning a portion or even a fraction of that value. So I ask my listeners to consider how they value their time and their attention. And if they listen to my show for two hours and they found it mind blowing and entertaining and interesting and compelling, consider how they would have spent that two hours otherwise. Would you sat on your ass for two hours watching a movie at a theater that might cost you $25? Maybe you want to kick me like two bucks, you know? And so I have a link, I have a link to all that in my show notes and whatnot. And I try to provide all my show notes with all the information, all the clips and the videos and the documents that I use to make my production. I offer all that shit for free. And it's funny because, um, this basically equates to me taking a vow of poverty for the rest of my life with this podcast because it will not make any money because I'm not going to get sponsorships because I don't want them. But what has happened is I do have listeners that do donate to me regularly, not immensely and not enough to make a difference or have me quit my day job. But it is incredibly inspiring um, to get the donations from my listeners who have donated voluntarily to pay to help pay and produce something to pay for something for me that they got for free, you know, asking someone to pay for something that they would otherwise get for free is like anathema. Like no one's going to do that. But after listening to no agenda for five or six years and seeing how over almost a decade to 11 years, I think it's taken John and Adam to get this value for value based thing actually happening and all the different listeners, of course their show is completely different than mine, but how all their listeners are not listeners. They're actually producers because they donate money to the show on a regular basis enough to keep these guys doing it full time, which is incredibly inspiring. And so they've been really receptive to me and my show. Um, I've donated to them a couple hundred dollars, you know, a couple times because I find it incredibly valuable and that that's not, that's not me buying their acceptance by any means, but by donating $200 to them, I can write them a note and then they read it on the show. And then all my listeners, all their producer listeners hear my note and say, Hey, by the way, check me out at up is down. And then I get a bunch more listeners, producers, and then boom, someone donates, you know, 50 bucks to me, which is so fucking cool. Cause it just keeps me going and inspired. Yeah. So that's a long winded way of saying you hey. can find me on iTunes <laughs> at DeanRiner.com, Spreaker, Stitcher. And that's basically it. Nice. Any social media you want to shout out or anything? 
Um, yeah, I'm on, uh, I have some art on, on Instagram and I, I used to push the show on Instagram quite a bit until a few months ago. I just stopped doing it. Cause I was like just blasting people DMS with links to the show. And yeah. I felt like that was kind of assaulting. So I just stopped doing it. And I just don't like Instagram because I only follow artists on that thing. And so once I click open the app and I start posting, I start seeing a bunch of paintings and art. And then I just get lost in there. And then I start thinking about myself as an artist and how I'm not doing that good. And I'm not making that much art and how I should be painting better. And that guy's really good. And it just makes me hate myself. Instagram mm. makes me hate myself. And so I don't need that kind of garbage in my life. So I stopped doing that. What I do need in my life is the raging garbage fire of Twitter, though, because you know. that's, <laughs> that's been pretty fun. Like, yeah. I try not to tweet things. You know, I try not to just do any tweets. I retweet people's stuff, but you can find me at Up Is Down Podcast at, on Twitter. Um, I have like, I think I have like eight followers, <laughs> you know, like I'm virtually invisible, which is really cool. But I just get on, I like Twitter because, you know, like I said in the beginning, you can see what's happening as it's happening in real time. Yeah. Because anything that's happening is not going to go anywhere but Twitter first. And then it might get on Facebook. And then it might get on the news. Probably unlikely, but you'll always be able to find it on Twitter. Yeah. And then you just bookmark those tweets and those threads. And then you can always access them and be like, oh, I remember when that guy got his head kicked in at the rally. And, you know, I remember when that guy said that. And. So I just, I use that to follow some people and just kind of keep people connected. That's how I got on with you guys. I, I met Charlie on Twitter and then we did a conversation and then I got invited to the union of the unwanted and now we're friends. Yeah. Awesome. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Dude. Awesome. Dean, thank you so much, man. We really appreciate you. This is so badass. And, uh, sounds like we'll see you up in Portland in a couple of weeks. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. stoked, man. That's actually pretty close to my birthday week. I think my birthday is close to, to your daughter's birthday, Ed. Cool. Um, well, September she's a Virgo. She, she's a little Virgo. Yeah. I think. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> Mom knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just remembered I'm turning 42 in a couple of weeks. I just totally forgot. I don't give a shit. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And a happy birthday. Yeah, Very thanks. cool. Oh, yeah. yeah dude, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. This has been a real pleasure, man. I'm super awesome. stoked. For us as well, man. Have a good night, Dean. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Bye, you guys. Thanks right. again. Damn, dude, that was awesome, bro. Dude, Dean is a badass. Yeah. Hell yeah! What do you guys think? What do you guys think? That was a good fucking episode, dude. Every dude, week, he it's like it's fucking deep, bro. Yeah, totally. He was fucking deep. Yeah. I want to go to a lot more of that stuff. We'll definitely have him back. We'll be doing that again for sure. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, it was wonderful. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for sitting in with us tonight, at Truthzilla. We were so happy to have Dean Reiner of the Up Is Down podcast. Please check him out. I am Megan, sitting here with Scott and Ed. We wish all of you intellectual prosperity. Good night. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> so good.